0: Little Heroes Comics is a UK-based charity that creates and distributes comic-making kits to children through hospitals and healthcare organisations across the UK, keeping them far from boredom and closer to creativity. Head to littleheroescomics.co.uk to find out how to donate and to help out this incredible charity today. One of the ways you can help them out and get some amazing all-age comics at the same time is by heading over to fairsparkbooks.co.uk. Nothing is more exciting than creating stories for kids and Spark books bring you a whole host of them in different and exciting formats that are all aimed at encouraging imagination. You can find such titles as How to Make Comics with Springworth, Gallant and Amos, Snuffy and Zoe, Megatomic Battle Rabbit, Leaf and so much more. Spark books are partnered with Little Heroes Comics so a portion of the profits go towards their goal each year. Go to fairsparkbooks.co.uk and littleheroescomics.co.uk today to find out more. Little Heroes Comics. Bring a huge smile to comics creativity today. Welcome to That Comic Smell Podcast.
1: With Your host, Tom Stewart.
0: With special guest,
1: Simon L. Reed.
0: We're just kind of into it, dude, because I just start recording as soon as the call comes on, so yeah, this yeah, is, this. it's just easy easy, man. It um, is the easiest way to do it,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing just grand. Nice. Yourself?
0: Uh, yeah, not too bad, man, not too bad at all. Um, just been a a lovely day of sunshine and uh, good dog walks, so can't really complain. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's been a lovely day here, too, apart from the fact it's... This- Pretty much constantly been raining, but I mean <laughs> you know. Glo- gloomy skies, constant rain, yeah, classic Cardiff nice. weather.
0: Yeah, just a bit. Well it's normally like that up here. I mean we're we're like a basically like a seaside part of uh, Dundee in Scotland, you know. And mm-hmm. it's it's usually just pissing down all the time. Um but odd occasion you get a good day of sun like today, so not too bad. Um, know kind of how it
1: goes with uh, the coastal coastal cities, coastal towns.
0: Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, just for the the folks at home listening, uh, who are you, sir?
1: Uh, well, my name is Simon L. Reed. The L is my middle initial, um, not the uh, Mexican for the. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, middle initial. Michael J. Fox, Samuel L. Jackson, yes. Malcolm X, whatever his <laughs> name was. Um, that sort of situation. Uh, read as in read a book. R e a d. Just in case anyone needs to, you know, find me. Yes. Um, and I am a. Author turned comic book creator.
0: Oh nice. How did you uh how did you end up stumbling into comics?
1: Well, it's a long story.
0: Um We we got time, dude. We got time. <laughs>
1: okay. I mean growing up I always thought of graphic uh, graphic novels, comics and things, you know, being pretty much, you know, superhero stuff and
2: mm-hmm.
1: not much else to be honest. And you know, lame things like Tintin and the Bino, <laughs> yeah. things like that. So I never really had much of an interest in them when I was younger. Um, I'd not even read a graphic novel until, say, 2013. All right. And, okay. um, I was about, so I'm 33 now, so just counting back, you know, <laughs> I was in my late 20s. Okay. Um, when I first, And that was pretty much enforced upon me by a university because I did um, a creative writing MA. Oh, right, uh, okay. Well, nice. I did a BA first, and we did a uh, mouse, Art speakerman.
0: All right, yeah, yeah.
1: And um, so I didn't—I didn't really think a lot of it, to be honest. I thought it was, you know, impressive and, and it was, you know, it's pretty interesting and all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at the time because I was doing a creative writing interview. I was getting into doing some spoken word.
2: Yeah, events,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And a friend of mine told me to buy um, "Building Stories" by Chris Ware. All right, yeah. And I don't know if people haven't seen it, it comes in sort of. Well, she told me to buy it online. Um, I think the reason she told me to do that was because. Of what it actually is. If if nobody's seen it, it comes in like a box that's like a, uh maybe the size of a board game box. Yeah. It's just ridiculous and it's just <laughs> full of different different things and um different sort of mediums of getting sort of uh the graphic novel, I suppose, across
0: yeah. Well that's what Chris and, um, was more known for. He's more eccentric kind of putting together of uh, of books. Like he's yeah, uh, yeah like his Acme ones and everything as well, like the giant size things. So mm. yeah, yeah.
1: But this thing was sort of um you know, like a concept piece. And I like things like that. So that fascinated me anyway. Um, but also, I think the fact that it was so slow-paced and mm-hmm. mundane in many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like this like Story-wise, I mean, there's not a lot really going on. Well, there is, but it's very, very slow-paced, like a novel would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found that sort of fascinating, the amount of detail he goes into, things like that. It's pretty remarkable stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, it's just... Finding space for it really in the house—it's just <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I got into making little comic strips then, um, which ridiculous things, which I put on my Instagram page.
0: Um, was that predominantly just off of the the Chris Ware thing? Like, just seeing that kind of propelled you forward to wanting to do comics, or was it no, just, just just purely because, just because of the university?
1: Not necessarily. Well, partly. Um, it was mainly just me doodling while I was bored in in lectures. Um, to be honest, because I mm. had the little flip pad, um, so I just divided it up into threes, you know, and and just did little things, took photos of them, uploaded them. I didn't upload them to Instagram initially. Actually, I uploaded them to my personal Facebook account. All right. So initially, only my friends were seeing my stuff, um, and they were saying, you know, they, you know, were finding them funny and things like that. So eventually, years later, actually, I, I started uploading them to Instagram. And, um, you know, they became, well, they are quite popular, not, you know, grand scale. (laughs) I get like double double digits likes, you know, it's not not that crazy, you know, but, um, um, mainly because the art in them is dreadful, frankly. (laughs) It's Uh, just a different style,
0: dude. It's just a different style. (laughs)
1: Yeah. For me, it's more about getting a joke across than, you know, uh, spending hours and hours and hours drawing a thing, um, Mm -hmm. doing a strip. Um, you know, on my Instagram account as well, you know, I don't. So sort of follow anyone so right okay. i wanted to kind of build an organic audience i didn't want to look at my followers and think half of those are reciprocal likes you know i just wanted to make something so that was kind of a, a thing within itself as well mm-hmm. um so basically i'm there and i'm sort of influenced by well nobody really directly um but one day i did a google search for um there's a director called todd salons i think you've heard of him oh no if not no um, films like uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse and Happiness and, and things like that. Oh right, um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's one of, if not probably, my favourite um, directors. So I was just casually looking for um, any new projects by him, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it brought up all the links with him, and yep. it also brought up a link to an interview with a comic book. artist called Simon Hanselman, who you know most people probably know. Yeah, um, Megan Morg and things yep. like that. Yeah yep, yep. he, sorry.
0: Oh, just agreeing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> happens to be a, a fan of Salon's as well, just by coincidence. Oh, right. So I'm, I decided to check out the interview, and then I check out some of Hanselman's sort of work. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, so you know, I'm not on my own here and making these sort of weird um, <laughs> borderline sort of adult sort of comics. Yeah. Um, which also led to, you know, maybe I can make it doing this. So I decided to spend a bit more time on it. Um, and so it led me down this rabbit hole of then finding – so sort of another trove of, of artists as well doing similar sort of absurdist sort of metamodernist um contemporary comics. Yeah. Um so you know Fury, Cornella, Liam Cobb, the Forge, Schwaren, people like that. Yes.
0: Um some good names there, as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, I sort of kicked my ass into gear basically, and then I started making a printed comics, you know, on my own. Um was getting some advice from uh, people like HTML flowers, things like that. Um, Simon and sort of right-hand man, so to speak. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um,
1: and yeah, so that just led me to this point where I'm just sort of uh, photocopying my own stuff and <laughs> putting it together, <laughs> uh, more or less.
0: Nice, nice. Do you do uh, do you do a lot of like um, zine fairs and cons and stuff?
1: Yeah, I've been doing a few. Um, I started doing them last December, actually, so not that long. As I say, I'm sort of quite new to this whole yeah, sort of yeah. world, really. So I'm finding my feet. Um and oh, I'll we'll so start somewhere man. Yeah, so I've done a few things. Um I sort of, uh, the furthest away I've been to like Swansea and Bath. So I mean they're okay. pretty equidistant away from Cardiff but yeah. Um until maybe about 3 years ago I kind of had a bit of a phobia actually of leaving the city. All right, uh, okay. Of Cardiff so I haven't ventured that far away, <laughs> you know, really. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. so I've on my own um until that point so, now I'm kind of open to going anywhere, really. So, um, yeah, I'm finding it interesting, you know, just meeting new people and um, sort of seeing what other people are up to.
0: Nice, nice. It's it's amazing how much um, comics can open you up to sort of trying new things just by proxy, not even realising mm. that it would happen. You tend to find that a lot of folk that have maybe been... Quite solitary, or people that have, have maybe had sort of fears or phobias or, or anything along those lines mm. tend to gravitate towards sort of comics as a medium overall. Um, mm. I, th- I think it's because it's such a creative thing, and you can do whatever you want with it. You can do sort of humor comics, you can do recipe comics, you can do anything. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It opens it up so much that I think a lot of people gravitate towards them so much, so much easier. So that's that's good. Um, were you always quite creative as you were growing
1: up? Um, yeah, pretty much. I've always been doing something or <laughs> other creative. Um, you know, through primary, secondary school, I'm always sort of. I wasn't really focusing on classroom stuff. You know, I was always doing doodling or waiting for some sort of any sort of creative task or what you know whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I've always just been doing something or other. Um, I mean, I went in, I'm, this isn't really my background, you know, comics. It's, it's my background is writing, really. So, Yeah. Um, but I always found that when I was writing, say, novel, novels, novellas, whatever, mm-hmm. um, that you then have to sell that book to somebody who's going to have to invest hours, maybe even days, into reading it. Yeah. Uh, with a comic, you know, you can give somebody that, and they're done with it in two minutes, you know, no. <laughs> or one hour. You know, it depends. <laughs> if you've got a graphic novel, you can get through that and probably an hour or two if you wanted to yeah um, so it seems to be more accessible um, I find when I'm writing I'm always sort of in a cinematic mode uh, like in my head right okay so I feel like I'm, I can maybe get these ideas better um, across better actually in, in comic form
0: yeah 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 definitely
1: there's um, more reflection of what's going on you know in the old headspace
0: yeah definitely <laughs> um yeah so you, you do have a pre- predominantly um, writing background you were saying you were a, a Spoken word artist. I uh, used
1: to be used to a be. long time ago. I sort used of hung uh, so, up, hang out, hang out my boots, so to speak.
0: <laughs> so is that is that where it all kind of um, originated? Like writing for you was it was it starting with like poetry and spoken word pieces, or were you always kind of write, writing and jotting stuff down?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, when I, I mean when I was a kid, uh, my parents bought me a picture dictionary, and I used to flick oh, through okay. the pages and then just point at a random picture and then I have to sort of include that in a sentence or a paragraph or, you know, and that was just my tr- practice from a you know being an eight year old or a nine year old. Um sort of escalated from there. But then there was a big gap where I didn't do, you know, any uh, writing at all you know, through high school. Um and then I went and worked a load of, you know, rubbish jobs. Um <laughs> not we all you know, with literally no creative uh, prospects at all. Yeah. Um no time to do anything creative. Um so yeah, then one day I just thought, right, I've had enough of this. I can't work in a in a call centre anymore. So I was, just, I was like, right, I'm just going to try and blag my way into university. Because I left high school um, with nowhere near enough UCAS points to get into uni. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think wasn't it? Was it last week the results for GCSEs came out or something? Uh, um, yeah, I think so. You know, everyone's f- fretting over not getting enough, you know, grades to go to uni or whatever. I I literally just went to an open day accosted the head of the course and said look i can do this course and then they were sort of like mm, maybe not no i don't know we'll see how your ucas application was and then by the time i got home they'd emailed me and said yeah come in for an interview tomorrow we'll see what we can do oh, Nice. <laughs> and then they just put me on the course so and then um you know i said to them i'm gonna um repay your faith i, I suppose um so three years later, I left with a the first. Then I did an MA, and I left with the distinction. So, oh, um, so really, I, I'm not saying GCSEs are pointless, but if if you want to do something <laughs> enough, you'll find a way to do it. I suppose. Um, I think that's yeah.
0: that's a common thread that a lot of people find is that they're told all their lives that education, 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 but mm. the, but most of the people that you know that that you look up to in certain fields where um whether it be actors or or writers or anything, um the most of them didn't really have much of an education background. Most of them just mm. had such a passion for things that they just went for it, you know what I mean? They tried every avenue possible to get into the thing, you know. Mm. Um but still, you know, if if the education front works for some folks then fair enough. But Yeah, that's true.
1: I mean like maths, you know. Um, geometry is nice if you're gonna be an engineer or a <laughs> crazy golf pro or something you know it's like yeah. miniature golf pro um but a lot of the time half the things you get taught are not practical anyway in day-to-day life so no the um, most of it's just a memory test anyway when it comes to testing so
0: yeah exactly um no i think the uh, i think the school system uh, worldwide basically has uh, has a lot to be desired to be fair mm. but hey who um who would you say some of um some of your favorite writers are
1: uh, writer or, or writers or co- are we talking comics now or are we talking just any
0: ma- just any
1: um, so who, I guess would you, be, who would
0: you kind of draw influence from would I say
1: um, I guess mostly probably uh, Richard Brotigan who was a, um, a writer in the 60s early 70s okay um, kind of similar to uh, in your previous episode um, it was mentioned Kurt Vonnegut was mentioned yes and quite similar sort of You'd put them in the same box, um, in, in a way, just counterculture writers from the 60s. Right.
0: Um,
1: his stories are just ridiculous, frankly, just absurd. Um, Jarvis Cocker's a big fan of his. In fact, I think he wrote the foreword in one of his books. Oh, wow. It's um, <laughs> called Sombrero Fallout, which is basically about an ice-cold sombrero that falls from the sky and then starts off a riot. That's the <laughs> ridiculousness you'd sort of dealing with, with, with uh, Richard Brogan. Okay. Um is, stuff hasn't aged well, to be honest. I mean, um, it's quite. If you read it now, it'd probably be quite controversial, but I always find this story fascinating. Um, uh, to the point, hopefully, next month I might be starting a PhD, um, which oh, I'll nice. probably focus a lot on, Richard Brotigan. Right, okay. That's um thing. But other than that, I think um, I draw from people like Haruki Murakami, who's another famous writer. Um, who else? Um, I guess I named most of the comic ones. Yeah, um, and then film directors—you know, sort Todd Salance, Wes Anderson, people oh, like that. Wes Anderson, uh, man, amazing. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's just, uh, Those are sort of auteur two characters you know who have their own sort of um, style. I always sort of respect that. Yeah, uh, a lot in artists.
0: Yeah, I've um, I had this. I was actually having this conversation only. In uh, the last week, um, about directors that literally have such a unique style that you could pick them out, whether they were doing like the smallest little thing or the biggest mm-hmm. thing, you, you you know it's them from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wes Anderson was like top top of that list. And yeah. it's funny, I I just never ever knew the the, the name Todd Solondz at all. I knew Happiness. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched that I've watched that a couple of times actually, um, but I've just never ever knew the name. Um but yeah there were um, we were picking out things like um more sort of mainstream like David Fincher and stuff like that. Like just mm-hmm. just very sort of niche um they kinda of, they've they've got a very sort of niche style to them. Um right, I've got a bunch of different questions that are just totally off topic of comics and everything sounds good Uh, so it's just the most random questions that i could come up with off the top of my head from day to day (laughs) perfect perfect um so first things first your favorite season and why
1: my favorite season Uh, i assume we're not talking football season uh,
0: well, I always say, do you know what? I always leave these things up to interpretation. So it's entirely <laughs> up to yourself. You could say football season. You could say season of a television show. You could say season as in okay. autumn, winter, whatever you want.
1: Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad it's not football season because I'm Aston Villa <laughs> fan. So I mean, there's not a lot to really celebrate. There. <laughs> but um, I would say probably I'm going to go with literal, I'm going to go with literal season. So I'm going to say autumn. Because nice. just just the it's the best one really, um, nice. Colors. It's the best one because you still have winter to follow. Yes, and I'm not a big fan of the sun anyway. Um, <laughs> i with you on So that. yeah, I just get to you know wear more clothes. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's just something more. Uh, I guess cozy about winter. than yeah. Anything else? Um, so I'm going to go with that.
0: Nice. You get to wrap up, but you don't get absolutely soaked, which is exactly plus.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you do, it's expected. So. Very
0: true. <laughs> um, do you believe in ghosts?
1: Um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, mm. Not necessarily. I think... Um, I don't know. It depends, because there's so many variables. Um, I was watching a... I don't know what it was, like a panel thing with a lot of scientists recently, uh, mm. like Neil deGrasse Tyson, people like that. Yep. And all these highly regarded sort of scientists like I suppose celebrity scientists um, they all almost unanimously seem convinced that we're living in a simulation and that none of this is real
2: oh wow <laughs> so
1: so so if they're almost like 99% certain about it so if that's the case then um, maybe ghosts are glitches
2: Mm.
1: in that sort of matrix perhaps um, wow. or but maybe that's what I was thinking anyway maybe that's the case or um, perhaps would, they're just like tricks of the light or something. I'm not really sure.
0: What was the what was the reasoning to the fact that this was a just all a simulation?
1: Well, they seem to think that if you think about how far um, video games have come it, since Pong, you know, where it's just <laughs> yeah. two dots on a three dots on well, two lines and a dot on a screen um, to now where you've got cities, planets, universes being created within video games. Yeah um like procedurally generated sort of things, um like no man's sky or, you know. Mm. Um then think about how far ahead we would be in a hundred years time. Um there's you know it's not inconceivable that this could be a simulation. Um but they hmm. seem to think that based on how far we've come, it's almost certain. So I think wow. I'm not sure what I think about it, but I'm I thought it was quite interesting. See, from a philosophical stuff, point of view.
0: Yeah. When stuff when stuff like that gets gets said to me, I think my mind gets blown way too much and end up just kind of shutting down on it like oh shit. <laughs> you
1: well know, my answer to that is I think they're glitches.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um best track to start a party.
2: Hmm.
1: <sighs> that that's a good one. Um <laughs> best track to start a party hmm um, I don't know that's a good one um depends who's at the party I suppose yeah you know you could go down the Nelly Furtado route <laughs> <laughs> or you could slap a bit of JLo on or Nelly it's hot in here <laughs> um you know if you wanted to go to pop route uh <laughs> I'm not really sure um I don't really have a lot of parties or go to many, so I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends. I mean, if you're in a if you're in a uh, a party and you're full of you know it's full of metalheads, yep, it's probably not a good idea to pick any of the ones I just suggested. <laughs> probably um, not. Although no. to
0: be fair, I've seen some metalheads getting down to the Spice Girls before, so you never know. Oh, well,
1: <laughs> universal um, approval and all that. You know, yeah, <laughs> so maybe so. Um, I don't know. I'm really not sure. I'm gonna go with. Um, Blur song too.
0: Everyone oh, likes that. That is a
1: good one. It's pretty universal.
0: One. Yeah, uh, I unless... mean, I'm
1: a, I'm a massive Radiohead fan, so I mean, it's not a really a good idea to start a party with any of their songs. <laughs> um, <to> be honest, <laughs> unless you want everyone to just fall asleep or go home.
0: <laughs> that was another conversation. i was having with somebody actually was say uh, because I'm, I'm a big Radiohead fan as well, mm-hmm. and uh, they were saying like, oh, you know, Radiohead's dead sad, blah blah blah. I was like, but it's. It's not I was like it's quite relaxing, it's quite insightful i said i, I actually f i actually get quite happy when I listen to radio Adam. i mean i listen to it in Rainbows, and it mm. just chills me out
1: and it feels a quite, beautiful album that is. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing it really is. and um, uh, then but then you could slap on like kid a and you know Idiotech well, or something you know it's it's very you know, true, but um pretty uplifting stuff,
0: yeah, it was just I was kind of like it's just pretty good stuff, but he just kept referring to like so like old old school um Radiohead, so he was going to like Street Spirit, and mm-hmm. um, he's he's going to like, Oh, listen to the content on Creep and stuff like that. I'm like, like yeah, high and dry, or- yeah. I'm going, but you're not going far enough in, like, no. <laughs> but even then, it's still pretty good tunes. <laughs> I think it just depends on what party you're starting. You're right, uh,
1: they're master musicians, so.
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, it's god, they are, they really are. Um, what would you say is the best track to finish a
1: party? uh now we're in Radiohead territory. Yeah, <laughs> um, you could send somebody out, um, out of the party with a, you know, nursing their headache, um, or and or physical wounds. Um, <laughs> um, it's one hell of a party. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any songs that are kind of like you know, so long, fuck off, get out of my house? Um, not, um that I can think of.
0: I I, I would always resort to like. So sort of almost lo fi hip hop. So try to think. Um maybe even taking it down to like ice cubes today was a good day or something like that. Yeah, that's it's a good challenge. Good it's tune. still like a party tune, but it's it's kinda of mellowing out a wee bit. You start it off mm. with something like that, and then just gradually get slower and slower from there. So that starts to be like the finish of the party. Mm. And then from there on out you're just kind of taking it to, to the part where there's no there's no lyrics in any songs, and then you slowly head to like the country western route, and then it's like right out the door. Come on, how do you go now?
1: <laughs> Once you go the country route, everyone's probably going to disappear. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty quickly anyway. To yeah, to be fair, um, I'm going to answer that with I'm just going to put Nelly on again. Uh, hot in here. <laughs> it's just it's going it's to be on repeat for the entirety of the party oh, I thought you were going um, with like start and finish on a high like yes <laughs> I'm starting on a low and I'm finishing on a low oh. <laughs> um, Nelly nice I'm taking it old school <laughs> what kind of posters
0: were on your wall as you were growing up
1: mm, as I was growing up um, I ma- to be honest I mainly just had sort of Posters of Aston Villa Football Club players Because oh. <laughs> um, that's just what it was Now, currently, I'm surrounded by a load of Radiohead posters um, oh, nice. To continue that theme um, I've, li- I've got one that, ha- that merges all of the album covers together Into one And Ooh. it's freaking massive It's like A1 size It's huge It takes up half my wall Jeez. Um, um, I did have a poster of Pamela Anderson <laughs> Oh, wow <laughs> in, a, in a Baywatch uh, gear um, Nice When I was about six I, I can't explain <laughs> why I had that um, but I did I don't know, maybe it just made me feel a bit older than I was, I'm not really sure <laughs> it was a really, weird. looking back on it I think why did I have that at such a young age I remember I bought it from a guy um, in a town centre who had loads of posters on the floor <laughs> and I'd just been to see like, I don't know what it was, like the mask or something and <laughs> I just thought right I'm going to buy that and um, yeah
0: maybe it I, kind of Maybe it reminded you of like Cameron Diaz in that film to be fair
1: Maybe not too Maybe. far
0: off the the pair of them from, from the mask anyway. To, to yeah, she looks days. like an
1: almost completely different person in in the mask. Yeah, um, than to literally any other film she's in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't really explain that, but um, yeah, very uh, um, embarrassing uh, question for me to answer. But <laughs> actually, yeah. thinking about it, um, I did have a poster of um, WWF wrestler, the Big Boss Man. Um, oh, the, nice. The, um again i don't know how i got that or how i got on my wall but yeah i did have that were you particularly into wrestling or
0: just like a guy in a in a kind of security outfit <laughs> no,
1: i wasn't i wasn't um particularly into the big boss man um you know, i was like a super fan of his um yeah i was a wrestling fan when i was a kid i always have been to be honest i still am all oh, right um, yeah i went to um WrestleMania back in April in New York. Oh, nice! Uh, which is really cool on two fronts, actually, because I got to go to that, uh, but also I got to go to uh, Desert Island Comics. Oh, uh, in Brooklyn, yeah. Uh, which is a bit of a sort of sort of mecca as far as comic book shops are concerned, yeah. Uh, Contemporary wise, anyway. Um, and so like they sort of they sort of have some of my books in their shop now. So if anybody uh by chance happens to live in New York City, just go and buy my stuff.
0: <laughs> brilliant! Absolutely brilliant otherwise um, they'll just select us forever <laughs> um so is it predominantly sort of WWE that you watch or
1: no well, I watch anything literally literally anything and everything oh nice um so yeah that's um I had another podcast before that was literally just wrestling related all right but that's kind of an influence on my comics too in a way cuz sort of the flamboyant characters okay and the flamboyant um storylines but yeah this is a quick fire questions, not about wrestling, uh, not about comics, though. So <laughs>
0: that's all good, man. Um, but um, I was going to actually say, what was your what was your sort of era, your predominant era of wrestling? I know you're still watching it, but what was your what would you say your predominant era of wrestling was?
1: Um, so I started watching it in the sort of what would be, I guess, like the maybe the rock and wrestling era. I'm not sure the um, with Hulk Hogan and Papa Shango and ah, people nice. like that. But then, um, you know, when I was a teenager, I got really sort of invested in the attitude era. Yes. Uh, and I mean, I've, I've stayed with it all the whole way through, but I would say my fondest memories are probably from uh, the late 90s.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely.
1: Are sure. you, you were wrestling fan as well or do you follow it at all?
0: I, I was for a long time. I, I was very much into that Jude era. Um, I was very much that kid that like every every t-shirt and <clears throat> every available toy that I had had to be some sort of Stone Cold or The Rock or Mankind or something yeah. like that. Um, I was one of the only people in my whole school that had a, a Triple H t-shirt because everybody hated them <laughs> except me apparently. Um, nice. So I was, I was massively into it WWE and then I kind of fell out um, of it, just in general, just with growing up, and then kind of fell back into it a a wee bit just fleetingly, and but was watching like TNA when uh, Sting first came into it, and mm-hmm. it was all like Christian and and everything, and then really got into like Alex Shelley from in the okay. TNA. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why, just because he was kind of weird and eccentric, and then kind of from him found out that he was part of he was at one time part of like ROH and then discovered like well obviously Samoa Joe was in TNA but he was also on like some of the uh, ROH interviews and stuff with CM Punk and stuff like that and then Mm. from there you kind of find out about CM Punk and then suddenly seeing him in like WWE and stuff like that so I had a fleeting thing where I could kind of pick some of the wrestlers out and people would be saying stuff about, like, um, uh, oh, God, what name does he go by now? Brian, is it Brian Danielson or Daniel uh, Bryan that he goes Daniel by? Daniel Bryan currently, yeah. Right, because he was Brian So Brian Danielson, yeah, when I saw him yeah. originally. I'm, fuck, I can never remember his name. Um, and he was bald and going mm. about in just pants, and that was it. The American uh,
1: Dragon, was that like...
0: Yeah, yeah. and like old, Yeah. And I... I, I, I Remember seeing him coming up in WWE and being like, I know that guy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah, you see the progression of people, you know, over time. Yeah, yeah. When well, the last few years in Cardiff, it's been really popular because we've uh, we've got a company here called Attack Pro Wrestling.
2: All right, yeah, and, um,
1: yeah. They literally wrestle out of a, a bingo hall that used to be um, my youth club when I was growing up, so I've got a connection <laughs> to that place. So when I go there, it's really strange because you'll see, like, um, some wrestlers, they wrestle in, in this bingo hall, one week, mm-hmm. and a few days later they're wrestling in the Barclay Center in Brooklyn oh, fucking <laughs> or, or Madison Square Garden or whatever, and it's so surreal, and then the following week, they're back in the bingo hall again, <laughs> and it's just like what, how, what is your life? What, what is going on? Yeah like it's so surreal to see it, like it's strange and they're just mingling amongst everyone, like you know <laughs> the normal people that they are. it's just it's bizarre.
0: yeah, it's weird. This it's is an just,
1: amazing it's... Uh, career if you like traveling.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That's why I picked up a lot from uh, the the um, the ROH interviews. Did you ever see any of them? It was like it was kind of like podcasts, but they just put the the camera in front of them. And they both sat on stools, and it was just different people from ROH just doing interviews about their time on the road and stuff like that. All oh, right,
1: mm-hmm. like shoot interviews.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Like shoot interviews. But um, yeah. but yeah. I just uh, it was just. It's just odd. They they would just talk about like all the places they went and the yeah. like from week to week, and you're like, how how is that even possible? <laughs> mm.
1: um, yeah, I used to like a company called P W G. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It still exists, but yeah. back in you know, about 10, 12 years ago, um, everybody just used to be off their tits, high on like <laughs> high as a kite. Um, you know, you people like Paul London, Brian Daniels, yep. yeah, Brian Danielson, um, just literally. Cutting promos about being the kings of the bees or dolphin kings or whatever—absolute <laughs> nonsense. Like, but it was so entertaining because I don't think anybody knew what they were doing. No, but it was. Uh, yeah, was uh, the, good.
0: A lot of the, a lot of the promos I've ever seen, it's just like they're completely winging it and just <laughs> going for it. Um, yeah, it's
1: like the old school ones when they were all on coke. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay. literally out of their face on COG.
0: I think there's a there's like a YouTube compilation out there somewhere of like, it's like the most high wrestlers or something like that and it's just all the old days of um, Ultimate Warrior and... Randy um, Savage. Yeah, and they're just, oh my god, it's just yeah. the, the veins are popping like crazy and their head looks like it's about to burst mm. and they're just coming away with the biggest load of <laughs> nonsense ever Yeah, and it's us. Oh, it's, it's so funny though. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, yeah. Probably when you think of it in hindsight probably not hilarious but it's funny I right, know well, it
1: was hilarious but it's <laughs> definitely hilarious but um unfortunate health-wise you know considering half of them are no longer with us
0: yeah exactly exactly um okay uh, if you could have a mundane superpower what would it be
1: a mundane superpower mm-hmm. i'll give
0: you, for example um it'd be something like being able to wash the dishes in, like, a second flat, but as in you can just put them in the water and bring them out and they're clean. Okay. Or, <laughs> yeah, or being able to cut the grass by being able to telepathically move the lawnmower. Mm-hmm. But, okay, but right. nothing else. You can't telepathically move anything else, just the lawnmower.
1: <laughs> okay, I got, I got one. So my one would be... Um, that I put the correct key in my front door every single time I tried to open it. Oh, um, because although I've got keycaps on them, I still get it wrong, <laughs> like more often than I get it right. <laughs> and it's so frustrating, especially when I've got like things in my arms as well in my in my hands. It's um yeah. So that would be mine if I had nice. a mundane superpower for sure.
0: Very nice. That's a good one. <laughs> it's funny you mm. say that. I literally did that today. We've got it's we've got these backdoor so keys annoying. that like one of them hasn't got a cap and two of them do and one's like, mm. one's bright purple and one's black and I literally yeah. always put the garage key in the back door I don't know mm-hmm. why but I always do it, even though it's got a bright purple top one <laughs> yeah yeah
1: we got the same situation at my parents' house we got um, a garage uh, door key but the garage door key is the same as these two other keys that don't seem to be for any other door in my house so I don't know why they exist or why they're on the keyring but I always they're identical to the garage door key but I still choose those and it doesn't unlock to, to get the door annoyingly I don't know why we don't throw them away it's like um when you get those collections of plastic bags in your house, and they just build up inside another plastic bag, yeah, till you have like loads of them, and you just don't do anything with them,
0: yeah, they just sit there, and then you end mm. up either wrapping things in them, or they end up being used for like the bin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean, I've got keys on my keychain. I still have no idea what they're for. <laughs> I, I have literally no idea. Oh so, man! Some of them, looking for a key, I just try one of those. And <laughs> just usually, through one through of them. Every
0: one. single one of them.
1: <laughs> so it'd be like a key for a money tin or something and one of them will be it probably who knows
0: <laughs> you could you could try and make some sort of full game show out of it or something like that
1: like uh, there used to be a game show with keys didn't there with uh, open Ooh. the box or something or I can't remember I think Des O'Connor hosted it it was a long long time ago
0: oh that's ringing bells
1: yeah you had to like open a box or something and if you didn't have the right key I think I can't remember what happened to the contestants Ooh. I'm assuming that they didn't get killed or anything but, <laughs> if only um, there was
0: some sort of internet device that we could use to I know, have a look and see this <laughs> <laughs> who could,
1: who could uh, possibly say I
0: know um, so. what are three items on your bucket list
1: uh, I'm just googling the O'Connor uh, thing, I'll nice. get back to That's that good. question oh yeah yeah totally <laughs> um, it was called take your pick If anyone, uh, ah anyone, take your so pick mine's at ease um <laughs> what was your question again sorry
0: (laughs) three items from your bucket list three
1: items from my items from my bucket list
0: well three categories three things that you want to do off your bucket list
1: all right okay um hmm. okay i'd like to go to uh i mean i want to go to japan i mean i could go i could go bigger with with the bucket list um, like you know, to the moon or whatever. But I think I'd probably rather go to Japan than the, than the moon. Frankly, I think there's uh,
0: going to be a lot more to do. for a start. Yeah, <laughs>
1: be- better clubs. Um, <laughs> in, in Tokyo. That's probably where I'd go, to be honest. Um, um, I'd like to go to Fiji. Oh, okay. These are all just places that I would like to go. Yeah, but um, still. Actually, scrap Fiji. I can do Fiji. That's no problem. I'd like to go to Antarctica. Ooh. Mm.
0: Why, why so Antarctica
1: because although I wouldn't like to go to the moon because there's nothing there um, I'd like to go <laughs> to Antarctica because um, uh, because it just seems like such a bizarre place that like that exists on this planet and that there's like people who actually live there yeah. all year it's just well, scientists obviously but it's just weird <laughs> like I, I, I don't know um I'd like to go there. I mean, to be fair, I think the same thing of Australia. You know, I, I think that's just, just a bizarre place, considering <laughs> where it is geographically. Yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I think you have to go to um, uh, Chile before you can get to Antarctica. Oh really? Uh, I think that's the route. I think you go to Chile and then you get a boat um, to Antarctica. Wow. Um, so that's, yeah,
0: <laughs> that seems very odd, but yeah. Fair enough. And Apparently my, that's the rule. My geography's awful, so I wouldn't be able to tell you any of that in the slightest. Yeah. When you
1: like men- this-
0: Sorry, go on. I, I was going to say, when you mentioned Antarctica, the first thing I thought of was uh, 30 days a night for some reason, but that's not even Antarctica, <laughs> so I don't know why.
1: <laughs> no. No. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, bucket list. Um, third one would be... I think before I die, I'd probably like to be um, signed to, like, Fantagraphics or something. Oh, nice. Um, If we're going back to comics again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, you know, an ultimate goal. But, you know, I'll pretty much take anything (laughs) publisher-wise.
0: Would you... um, Not picky. (laughs) Would you submit to Fantagraphics?
1: Uh, Well, funnily enough, when I went to to New York, um, they had a comic uh, convention on there. Right. Um, so I went to that and Fantagraphers actually had a stall. Oh, nice. Um, so I just gave them a load of my stuff and <laughs> said, take it back to the uh, the shack you call a HQ in, uh, <laughs> in, in Seattle. I don't know if you've seen that place, but it's literally just a run-down, dilapidated
0: Yeah, house. I always see that they're doing like garage sales and then they yeah. actually have a video of them going out to the garage and where all the books are. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit. Like, <laughs> It's just somebody's fucking flat, effectively.
1: Yeah. It's like it's strange. I like arguably the you know biggest contemporary comics publisher in the world. That's their HQ, and I just find that fascinating. I think they just um, they
0: try to keep everything so rooted in where they kind of came up from.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's oh, it's brilliant. Um, I like that though. Yeah, and I, I, I like the fact that when they do do a garage sale and they advertise the fact, it's not like. They're doing the video just to say, like, oh, this is all the stuff and it's going up online. They're genuinely mm. saying, come to this area and come and do the garage sale because you're not yeah. going to get it any other way, kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, that's the of exclusivity of, of, uh, of the situation. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that's that would probably be my third one. Um, although, you know, I'm not cutting myself off from any other publishing opportunities by saying that. <laughs> just to put that as a... a a clause a footnote
0: <laughs> so for any publishers out there mm-hmm. um, <laughs> this is uh, this is Simon Reed saying take his stuff
1: <laughs> please yeah, yeah. come get me i'm free <laughs> and i'm willing to do anything within reason <laughs> obviously
0: you're not going to completely whore yourself out not yet
1: no no no, no. <laughs> i mean you know if you want me to sort of i'm not doing anything like that but if you want me to appear at any events or anything i'm i'm willing to go wherever i'll pay my way <laughs>
0: Um, what is the, well, if you have, what is the weirdest museum you've ever visited?
1: Ooh, um, in, well, I didn't go to it, but in Dublin, they have a leprechaun museum, um, which I walked past. (laughs) Yeah, they have a, they have a, the National Leprechaun Museum is in Dublin. Um, I sort of walked past it, but I, I just couldn't bring myself to, to go in there, um, uh, what else? Do they have another weird museum there. It's just literally just a house that some guy used to write in, but I can't remember which one of those. it is. <laughs> it's, it's the James Joyce Museum, it might be. I think it might be the James Joyce Museum. Right. Okay. It just doesn't look like a museum. I didn't go in there either because it just looked like a house. But the weirdest one I've been in. Um, I don't know. I don't tend to go in weird museums. Um whenever I go to the cities, I do make a point of going to their modern art museum. Right. Uh, everywhere I go, I always go to make a point of doing that. Yeah. Um And by everywhere I know. I mean I've only been going places since like twenty seventeen, so, so <laughs> not not that many. Um Dublin, Montreal, New York, their art museums. Um I don't know. There's not a lot of weird museums. What's the weirdest museum you've ever been to? And I throw it back at you.
0: Oof. Um well we went to we went to the Sex Museum in New York, which was pretty strange. Um like don't get me um, wrong, I expected it to be kind of filled with like fetishes and stuff like that, but oh it was just very, very surreal. There was, didn't know where to look. Well there was just things that I wouldn't have even thought of in a million years and I'm like, holy, holy shit you know, like rooms filled with if I remember rightly it was rooms with Headphones on the wall, and it was different clients speaking to. I think like sex workers and like what they wanted and stuff like that, but none of the actual sex. Just it was just like what they wanted. Um, it was their their order. Yeah, it was just oh, it was just odd. And then another room with headphones and just weird orgasm noises and stuff. And then there was like art, like modern art interpretations of. Uh, sexual organs and then how different animals reproduce and stuff, but just all presented in quite a surreal way. Um, and they have
1: interesting sort of like areas, like the say, for example, the thong wing or the hall of crossless pants or anything like they that. They didn't see it was,
0: see, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting stuff like, just like, oh, this is like the wall of dildos or something like that, but mm-hmm. no, nothing like that. It was that's all, crazy. it was very much like the. The Tate Modern of, of of sex museums, you know. It was very <laughs> upper class, but... Highbrow. Yeah, very, very highbrow. But, like, in a kind of arse and the nowhere part of New York that just looked like a shop, just any mm-hmm. old sort of gift bookshop, and then you went upstairs and it just led to this massive sex museum...
1: <laughs> It was across loads of levels. Um, I do actually have a proper answer for that question now that I think about it. Oh, okay. Um, when I was in um, Montreal, I went to the Barbie Museum. The Barbie Museum? <laughs> yeah, I just let that sink in. The Barbie Museum is literally um, a museum full of Barbie stuff from the olden times to now.
0: Nice. Yeah, nice. And I almost
1: bought a nice bright pink... Um, t-shirt with Barbie written on it, but I was kind of low on funds at the time. Had I gone <laughs> to the museum at the start of the trip, I would have bought that, but um, yeah, I went on the last day, so.
0: Of all places, Montreal. Does yeah. is, does Barbie actually even originate in Montreal? It seems a I very American so. idea.
1: Yeah, I don't believe so, but they have the Barbie museum there. Yeah, well. Don't ask me why. I have no idea.
0: Maybe there's just a very eccentric and affluent fan. Yeah,
1: possibly. <laughs> just set, oh.
0: set it up. <laughs>
1: I Maybe it's a touring museum. I'm not sure. I didn't really uh, sort of. Be, I wasn't in there for long. I wanted to kind of get in and out, but I wanted to just say I'd been there. Yeah, know, so
2: that's fair That's
1: why I went.
0: <laughs> I think. It's, I think aside from the uh, the sex museum for myself, I think it would have to be. There's a little museum in I think it's the Lake District. I'm not too sure. That's uh, it's got a bunch of like famous cars in it, um, but I think they're all like they're just like done in. Versions that kind of maybe had been used on sets, or maybe not, but they've now ended up in this small hall, mm. and they've put like almost like mannequin slash slash sort of waxwork figures beside them, so that you know what character is, <sighs> even though they've got massive signs telling you what it is. Um,
1: that just that just sounds like a horror story. It was, just, it was just
0: odd. I mean, like one of them was like Herbie the love bug but it was one of the very used Herbies, so he was like brown so it was just all rust and it had a big massive split down the middle because it was obviously the one where they just cut it in half but it was one of the ones they cut in half and it was just totally done in but they had the wax work of the actors from herbie the love bug sitting
1: in it sitting in this rusted old piece of shit (laughs) so just what was left of the herbie autopsy yeah basically (laughs) Um, i went to um i went to Bewley car museum um, oh nice! Like, I think that's like Bournemouth way or something. And they had the big uh, Dr- Judge Dread van from the Ooh. Stallone version of Dread. Nice. And they had a car shaped like an orange. <laughs> um, you know, you know, like how orange? No, no. I, I think I've made that up. Orangina never came in the shape of an orange, did it? The
0: uh, no. The uh, they had those bottles that were. Well, no, they were kind of. It was kind oh. of
1: like a. So I was trying to think if it was Orangina related, but I'm not sure that it was now that I think about it. There
0: was an Orangina car, I know that much, because I used to have a toy of it, and it apparently was this, like a scale model of the the actual thing, so possibly... Uh,
1: maybe. It's th- literally just in the shape of a, an orange. I think That's or- all I remember from the museum.
0: Orangina was meant to look like an orange on the bottom with like a spout, I think, hmm. if I remember rightly, but then I haven't seen an Orangina bottle in about 15 years or something like True, that, yeah. so... yeah, good point, yeah. I think they only now sell them in like Spain, so... Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm just, just bringing
1: loads of like retro references to this uh, podcast <laughs> Nelly Nelly Furtado, J-Lo Orangina. Orangina. <laughs> mm.
0: It's all good man um, Do you have any tattoos?
1: I do, I have one um, and it is on my right forearm and it is of, um, to go back to Radiohead again, it's the sort of Blinky <laughs> Bear logo from the Kid A oh, era nice. um, but it's three different versions of it um, and uh, yeah that's the only one I have and it took less than an hour which was nice because it only cost me 60 quid oh brilliant Beautiful.
0: Is it just is it, a, is it just like a black and grey one or did you get colour in it as well
1: no just, just a regular old black tattoo nice um, kept, kept it simple but I do want to get a tattoo um, in the future literally it just says do not cremate <laughs> um, because I I, I, I uh, under no circumstances want to be cremated uh, I want to be buried um, just, so I just want you know any sort of person who has to see my body after I'm dead to say, oh wait, don't cremate him. <laughs> it's got this is
0: just, uh, just on the off chance that you you might suddenly wake up like Bride style from Kill Bill and break your way out.
1: Yeah, I, I just I just don't want to be put in an incinerator, basically <laughs> dead or not. Um, no interest in that at all.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Or being frozen. Actually, um, I saw a documentary where. I think it, for some reason in my head, I keep thinking it's Louis Theroux, but I'm not sure um, where this young girl, she's about 15 or something. He takes it. She's getting, she's been agreed to be frozen when she dies. And they basically, this company does it on the cheap and they've just got these big, um, I guess you'd call them like silos, right. Full of like liquid nitrogen. And they just throw the bodies in. So there's like multiple of them floating around in this silo at any one time. Um, it just sounds bizarre. Don't it's don't just want... odd. Yeah, there's like no a... use for that at all either. You kind of just have to fish out the correct one when it's time. It's uh...
0: that's so strange.
1: Mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, under no circumstances so... to, to be cremated.
0: That sounds like a very Louis Through type documentary thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I might have dreamt it though. To be honest, so <laughs> I always do that. Like I always like sometimes I'll say to somebody, "I will remember that film where this happened. This happened," so like that doesn't exist. And I'm like, yeah, stars, whatever. And Like, no, they they weren't in such a film. Like, I genuinely do do that. I sometimes just make up things that don't exist at all, films, TV shows.
0: I think that's just a sign of a good imagination, dude.
1: Mm. But I'm convinced <laughs> I've seen them. That's a...
0: <laughs> well, you just need you just need to go make them now. That's the thing. You've got mm. the idea now. Now you can just pitch it towards them and go. And it stars this person, and I know it stars that person because I've seen it. <laughs>
1: intellectual uh, c- copyright
0: yeah exactly
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um have you ever used a typewriter
1: um, we had a typewriter in my parents house when I was growing up but um, it had no ink yeah oh. and the keys were a little bit too hard for me to press as a five-year-old right um, so I just used to mash the whole thing down with my arm <laughs> um, just to see all the little things come up um, but no I've never used one and I don't know, they just seem like a pain in the ass, really, so...
0: They're um, surprisingly easy to use. Yeah. A lot of people go on about them. I, I remember I did a whole project. We we didn't have a computer when I was younger, so the only mm-hmm. way that I could do a, a school project was on the typewriter, effectively, because everybody else had computers. So mm-hmm. um, I did this this whole one on... Uh, I think it was, like, favourite comedies or something like that, and mm-hmm. uh, took all the these... Printings from, uh, like pictures and printings from books in the library, and then cut them all out, and then just typed about all the characters and what the shows were about and stuff on the typewriter. Um, That's pretty cool. It was, it was surprisingly easy to use at the time, but I've used the same typewriter since, and yeah, it is like just like hitting it with a hammer now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different sort of experience. Yeah, but then again, do you remember, there, do you remember what it, comedies you wrote about.
0: Um, what did I write about? Uh, Blackadder. Uh huh. Um, the Goon Show.
1: The Goon Show. Yeah, I've got a Goon book here somewhere. Um, it's a um, script from the Goon Show. Oh, do you? Yeah, I picked it up in a charity shop literally about three oh, weeks ago.
0: Amazing. Like a quid. Oh, nice. Is it actually mm. from? Is it? Is it? Got credited written by Spike Milligan or is it?
1: I'm not sure, I've Those not all looked them. for it properly yet um, hmm. but I've got it
0: I, rem- I remember writing about them because I I think my great uncle had literally just given me some Goon Show tapes um, so I just all of a sudden become obsessed with the Goon Show mm-hmm. um, What else did I write about? Uh, Only Fools and Horses Um to it's think starting
1: that. to sound like a, a schedule for the uh, Gold Channel or Dave or whatever it's I, called. I, yeah, I, it was definitely
0: <laughs> UK TV Gold at that point. Nice. Uh, Red Dwarf, and there was a couple other oh uh, Faulty Towers, all the classics. Uh, there was something else, I, I, but I can't remember. This oh, Dad's Army, that was it. Oh Dad's yeah, Army. okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Um Yeah, there was quite a few. Um, there was other ones because it was quite a thick thing once <laughs> yes. I finished it. Um, I think I just got a bit too overzealous with like old BBC books and just started Mm -hmm. to photocopy every one of my favourite ones and just been like, right, shove in a book, it's fine. Like the
1: golden age of British comedy.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically. Mm. Um, I don't know where that went, actually. Because my mum did actually have it for a very long time. I have no clue where that went.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I thought you were talking about the golden age of British comedy.
0: Oh, no, no, the book, (laughs) oh, God, no, the golden age of British comedy. it's yeah, it just disappeared with all the uh, great comedy actors. Um, mm. There is still some good British comedy right enough but not, not like everything back in the day.
1: No, it's a different type of thing now, isn't it? It's a different. It seems to be more mockumentary sort of things now these days.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's well, yeah, it is. I was literally watching the trip the other day, and mm-hmm. that is kind of like that in a way, really.
1: This country is good. Have you seen that?
0: No, I've not. Who's, who's in this country?
1: That's really, really good. That is. That's probably the one of the best written comedies I've seen in the last ten years. Oh, nice. It's well, anything that doesn't include Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. That is, but right, okay, um, <laughs> that's
0: very true. So. Um, who, who's in this country?
1: Um, I have no idea what their names are. They write the show as well. They're the the right, two okay. main people there. I think they're actually related in real life, um, and. Yeah, it's basically just about two people who are from, I think, the a small village in the Cotswold, uh, Cotswolds or something. Oh,
2: right.
1: Um And, yeah, it's just... If you, it's kind of like The Office, but set in sort of Cotswolds. Nice. Like, oh. yeah. just I mean, yeah, gonna... You kind of have to see it to get it. I can't really do it justice, to, really, just by explaining the basic synopsis.
0: Just uh, making a note of that in my book just now yeah. this kind of... the whole
1: thing's on like iplayer so it's easily catch up on it
0: yeah yeah awesome oh do you what was your do you, do you game do you play uh yeah i'm
1: i'm really sort of into retro gaming oh um, nice so i play a lot of like i mean i grew up with a sega um so sega master system sega mega drive okay things like that um so yeah i played i've got a ps4 but i i to be honest, I, I play my sort of retro consoles a lot more than I do my PS4, <laughs> which says a lot for uh, modern games.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, we're uh, <clears throat> we've literally just dug out the old PS1 and been playing mm-hmm. that recently as well. We're playing a bit of Buster Move or a Bubble Bubble, as some people would <laughs> like to know, um, yeah. and uh, a bit of Crash Team Racing.
1: Oh, um, good. they just re- re-released that, haven't they?
0: Yeah, they did. Yeah, they released Great. like a, a an HD version. Um, what else did we play or oh, Micro Machines V3? Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I've still, <clears throat> I still stand by my old SNES, it's still set up downstairs. SNES, yeah, yeah big
1: time. Um, yeah, a <coughs> lot of SNES games I really liked growing up, but I never owned one. So, my only time I ever got to play a SNES was whenever I went around a friend's house and they just happened to have a SNES, yeah.
2: Um,
1: but it seemed to me that everyone who had a SNES, their parents didn't want anyone around the house. For anyone who had a a Mega Drive, was like, yeah, come on in, everything's, you know. Um, So I barely ever got to play snares growing up, but um, I just remember playing like F-Zero, Mario Kart, um, Super Punch-Out, nice uh, games like that. Um, Yeah, it's mainly just sort of anything that was multiplayer, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, over a friend's house, you can't really sit down and play Zelda. Um, No, although
0: a lot of my friends did whilst I was growing up. (laughs) The many times I was forced to sit and watch them play ocarina time over and over again. I was like, "Oh my god!"
1: That's the worst. That is when, like, it's, they insist on playing a one-player game and you just got to sit there and watch. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's quite frustrating. Happened to it. Happened my friend it went through all of like Final Fantasy VII over my house. Oh, Jesus. because like, I'd already finished it, and he wanted to sort of he wanted to have a go on it. And so every time he came over, he'd just make me watch him play it. <laughs> it was <laughs> really weird, and like I wasted an entire summer on that. Yeah, retro games just seem to be more fun. To me, anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just A lot of people go on about that, how, like, oh, you you think that the retro games were so much better back in the day, but play them now, they're not that great. I think they're better. <laughs>
1: I still enjoy them. I think they're much harder, because a lot of them were sort of designed with the arcade in mind, you know, yeah. just um, coin eaters, basically. Yeah. Um. So when you do play them, they're frustratingly difficult. Yeah. But... Yeah, I just find them more fun, I don't know. Just...
0: Oh,
1: awesome. so if, um so getting an emulator on my PC sometimes. You know,
0: just... Yeah, I've I've never had much luck with emulators. They've they've always done me some disservice at some point, but then I'm I'm pretty crap at trying to figure out how to set up the controls on a lot of them. So mm, I yeah. usually I will set up everything and then I'm missing like one control and I can't figure out how to set it up and I'm like, oh for fuck's sake
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, it's pretty frustrating.
0: Yeah well dude, uh, we have um reached the the hour mark I, I, I didn't even notice that I just literally looked up there and saw that we were on the hour mark so long uh, by yeah totally um I've got a bunch of um questions just to kind of wrap things up okay <coughs> and they're, uh kind of quick fire depending on how you see them so um uh, okay. do you think that different colored m and ms have different flavors?
1: Uh, only the orange ones. Ah oh,
0: yes, I, I'm, I'm with you on that.
1: <laughs> they do. They genuinely do the orange ones.
0: Yep. Somebody said that they thought that only Smarties did, but not M and M's. And I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> that I mm. think that orange M and M's definitely tastes like orange.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Still or sparkling?
1: Oh, still. Like yes. sparkling is just basically fizzy nothing yeah <laughs> yes like, really
0: um white or brown bread brown bread nice. every time yes, that was that you, that was quick off the mark as well that mm-hmm. was almost like a fuck white bread brown bread yeah
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> I, that is literally a fuck white bread <laughs> um batman I'll put that or... on a t-shirt
0: <laughs> yes yeah, actually you could capitalize on that big time man mm-hmm. just fuck white bread um batman or superman. Um,
1: Batman. I just think Superman's a bit unfair. Okay. Because <laughs> he's That's just right. like maxed out on everything.
0: Yeah. It, it, it has been said before that Superman is like somebody using the cheat codes and putting all the XP up to fool.
1: Yeah, it's so. a bit cheap. <laughs> I... I've, Tell you I've, what, it was uh, good though. Bright, Brightburn or whatever it's called. bright burn or something. New film. come out recently. Brightburn. Um, yeah, it's about it's basically um I think it's by James Gunn, the guy who did Super, I think it was with Rain all Wilson. Right.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And um it's basically the the exact same story as Superman 1. Okay.
0: Um
1: however, the kid in this one happens to be evil. <laughs> so he has all the same attributes as Superman, all the same powers and stuff, but he's evil. So it's like how it's, how do you stop that? So wow. yeah. Wow. I thought you were checking out. It's really twisted. It's, it's really good.
0: That's it. That's another one I'm just going to write down quickly. <laughs> Brightburn. Perfect. Thank you for
1: that, dude. I think that's what it's called anyway. I can't remember now. It's fine.
0: <clears throat> if I don't find it, I'll just search up James Gunn superhero. I'm sure I'll mm-hmm. be able to find something. Um, Favourite biscuit?
1: Oh, um, it's not even close. Chocolate hard knobs.
0: Oh, Amazing. Good chocolate ones
1: are the best ones. And I, I refuse to eat a singular one. I have to put them sort of inverted on top of each other. <laughs> so it's kind of like the chocolate layer forms a sandwich in the middle. You are um, doubling down, my friend. That's so how I eat them, yeah.
0: That must be like the, the most hardcore thing to dunk into a tea. Pro yeah,
1: probably, yeah. <laughs> it's probably just true. Everyone in work hates me for it though, because I'm I eat a bowl of chocolate hard But um <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's definitely the best one.
0: Um <clears throat> still on the same vein and this one's going to be very controversial and usually mm-hmm. is pretty controversial mm-hmm. jaffa cake
1: cake or biscuit it's a cake <laughs> wow it's a cake beca- it's a cake because it's a, it's a sponge base okay so i'm going with cake a sponge is a cake right so i'm going with cake it's true
0: that they they are located in the biscuit aisle
1: they're like very small cakes
0: okay okay they are That's called jaffa I, cakes I to be fair so Mm. yeah it's it's funny do you know i've, I've asked i've asked java cake cake or biscuit with everybody so far and the difference in answers is so like it's so polar opposite i'm, I'm on an it even is, i'm on an even keel right now that it's, it's one of those one,
1: ones isn't it it's, it's like is soup a drink or a food like because it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you know you can do both and i've had people say it depends on the you know um, receptacle. Yeah. If you're using a, a mug, it's a drink. If you're using a spoon, it's a food. I, I don't know. But yeah, that's another. <laughs> yeah, but you could of still
0: you could still tip the bowl back and drink it.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Perfect. Well, that is all the questions I have, dude. Do. do you have any questions for me? Um.
1: No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> do, do do have you? Do you ever make any? Have you made any comics yourself or?
0: I personally haven't. Well, I say I haven't. I've made strips. Um, I made I made a strip recently, just a one-off thing that was just it was a play on the the awesome comics um, podcast guys. Um, nice. But it was just like a four-panel thing, and that was it. Um, but I've done I've done strip work before because I used to study animation um, at mm-hmm. college and one of the things we had to do, like a module that we had to do in the course was for comics and we had to make a couple of strips um, and I made a couple of strips for that just like six panel strips um, just with a little character that just fell into random situations I think one was he gets a bright idea where like the light bulb comes above his head and then the light bulb sprouts arms and legs and runs away Um, and he's just like shaking his fist at it um, and I think the other one was like a guy standing in a room. A pool cord drops from the roof. He pulls the cord. The lights go out, and then when the lights come back on, he's dressed as a clown. It's you know, it was just stupid stuff like that. Um, but I've never actually sat down and made a, a comic. But never say never. It may it may no. ha- may happen just yet. I um I do. <laughs> do you know? I I do write down like comic ideas and stuff from time to time. Mm. Um, I've got like a whole list of them. So if I ever did want to make them, I do have a whole list of them. It's just at this very moment in time, I don't have the inclination to make any. I'm not in any rush, you know. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time um, in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I say that, but you never know what could happen tomorrow. So <laughs> I may just crack on
1: with it now. Having said that, <laughs> do you think um, analog comics are dead? No. Or do, you think do you think there's room for them?
0: There is definitely room for them. I think when we were speaking about Chris Ware earlier on, um, I mm-hmm. think people have a good way of presenting their comics to make them more appealing. Um, I think there's a lot of comics that we, as a podcast, but a lot of us have, have have looked at where we've said, like, we would love to see that in hardback form because I know it would look better on paper as opposed yeah. to being digital. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a lot of ones... Likes of um, John Tucker, who I like, mm-hmm. he does a different sizes and shapes and everything with them, and, and fits them to that format yeah. um, that I quite enjoy. There's a lot of folks like that. I, I, I can only enjoy their stuff in sort of harder, hardback form because it's mm-hmm. it's the size of it that counts, kind of thing. I love people's diary comics for that. Right um, for that kind of thing, because like people do like twenty four hour comics or something like that, and they always make mm-hmm. them in those sort of wee zine styles where they've been printed, but they're all so different. Yeah, um, I've been kind of collecting people's twenty four hour comics or twenty four hour comic day or whatever, Our- hourly comic day or whatever. Um, yeah, I've been collecting them up and see the difference between everybody's ones is so. It's just so different. Like every every single one of them is totally different. That I've now. I've now taken to just getting a lot of people's ones like that to see how different they are over the years, and see how much they develop them, and okay. how much people's ones change, and all the different shapes and sizes that come in and stuff. Um, yeah. So that may become a project on itself, but That's very um, interesting. yeah, but it's it's cool seeing that is something that would have to be in a in a like in my hand sort of mm. um, fashion. I couldn't I couldn't have that as digital. You wouldn't get the same effect that way. You wouldn't be able to see it that way, you know. Mm. Um, but no, prints definitely not dead, not yet. Anyway, I didn't mean
1: it kind of in like print, as in like that. I mean like the actual um, sort of creation of 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 like um, if like, if you like drew a character with your hands, you know, with a pen or a pencil. Yeah. Or if you did it on a computer, that's kind of what I meant by that. Right. Okay. Um, because every time I'm at a convention and people are like, "Oh, do you do this? Like, do you draw these by hand, or do you use a computer with a, a pad oh, or whatever?" Right. I'm just like, "No, no, I draw them by hand, and then I." Ink them by hand, and then I photocopy them. And they, they, everyone seems very shocked, like almost. Um, I've had some really strange reactions to that, like "Oh, really? That's, that's very old school, or it's very retro." And I think
0: it's, I think it's just because people expect them to be put out so much quicker if they're done digitally. But it's not necessarily. I mean, if somebody's really, really, um, really, really adept at doing stuff in a more traditional fashion, they're going to be quicker at doing that than doing digital. You know, mm. um, I always think of um, well nowadays. Anyway, I, I, after speaking to him, I think I, I think of um, Daryl Thorpe because um, mm-hmm. he he. I always thought he did his stuff digitally, but it turns out he's actually he did a lot of his he he does mostly all of his stuff um, hand drawn and then mm. colors it digitally. Um, but he's actually been doing a lot of his stuff uh, sort of more watercolor and everything more hands on now. And you would think it was done digitally the way you look at it. Mm. Um yeah, I think stuff like that, like when when you've got more of an illusion of it being done digitally, but it's actually just because it's got a stronger, bolder line to it that it's it's done like that, you know.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah.
0: Well thank you very much for doing this.
1: No, oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Yeah. Can I can I plug a few things before I go? Yeah, yeah, totally. I was just gonna cheeky say and do that?
0: I was gonna say just uh, where can everybody find you and what what have you got coming in the pipeline and etcetera et cetera. Et
1: cetera. Oh, rock and roll. So, um, my sort of comic strips are on Instagram uh, at Simon. Well, it's just Simon L. Reed Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it's just that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Twitter's just my name, Simon L. Reed. Um, I've got a comedy podcast, it's a bit of a surreal one uh, called Pit of Chimps that can be found on most podcast things and YouTube. <laughs> um, and my web store is shop SLR, so my initials, dot um, uh, uh, bigcartel.com. So, uh, if you want to get any. Print things, and that's where you can get those.
0: Nice.
1: One. Um, in the pipeline, I'm trying to get together a, a graphic novella. And I just need, I'm in the watercolouring phase of it now, so. Right. Um, I'm hoping to get that out early next year. But other than that, if you see my name on a festival poster, come see me.
0: Nice one. Perfect, dude. Well, thank you again for doing Working this. Well,
1: thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It's been fun.
0: Uh, send us any comments or questions or just to say hello. You can reach us by email at thatcomicsmell at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thatcomicsmell. Share the podcast with your friends and followers. We are on SoundCloud Spotify, iTunes, YouTube and most other places you find podcasts and don't forget to rate review and subscribe Thanks for listening our music is by Chart Smasher and this track is Dial Up. You can find Chart Smasher on Twitter at Joan Edam, and you can buy the tracks on Bandcamp.